Scott Bogdanovich thinking about a three. There it is. Yes! Here comes Tyrese Maxey making 31 for Tyrese Maxey. From the other wing, Niang is hitting buckets from all over the floor. Here's Harden putting it on the deck, taking top in the score. And one. And now. The Pick Swap Podcast with James Berain and Sean Bernard. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Pick Swap Podcast. We are feeling good here at PSP, man. The Sixers are up 2-0. The last time we talked to you was right before the series, and we were kind of on a little bit of a limb. Left you guys with an open-ended pod uh, before these first two games, but me and Sean are back and feeling good. Sean, what's going on, man? Yeah, the vibes are great. These Sixers are back up to uh, a Doc Rivers masterclass going down. So I am pretty uh, blown away by how well things have gone through these first two games. Pretty much exceeded any uh, hopes or expectations I had. So I'm in a great mood. I'm happy to talk about this. Yeah, I was, uh, I've was. i been kind of fiending to get back on the mic. So I- I'm yeah. happy we're doing this today. It seems like a good time to do it. Um, I was almost like tempted to get one out. Uh, yesterday, I was almost like, oh, we should probably do one today just before this game so I can, you know, I can keep the energy uh, before it gets, you know, killed at all. But last night, uh, just as good, if not a better win uh, than Saturday evening. Uh, so the Sixers are up 2-0. We're going to talk about this a lot because um, there's a lot to talk about. Like you said, Doc Rivers, uh, a lot of Nick Nurse complaining, and then obviously some great games from um, Maxi and Bede, Harden, Tobias, a bunch of the guys in the group. So before we go, all into that. We want to talk about our sponsor, BetUS, uh, one of the leading sportsbook and casinos in the market right now. Uh, they're partnering with us, and we're on a lot of a growth opportunity here. We're really growing alongside them. Uh, we're really excited to be with them. Um, and if you guys are interested, you can use our code PICKSWAP at login. Make sure you check out the link in the bio here in the YouTube, also along with the uh, podcast wherever you get them, whether it's Spotify uh, or iTunes or wherever else. There will be a link in the bio in the description of these videos and these podcasts, make sure you click on that and use our code PICKSWAP uh, to get in on the action. So Sean, let's go back to game one, uh, Saturday evening. And it really kind of, the floodgates opened up pretty early uh, and the Sixers took control. And, you know, unlike them, uncharacteristically, they really maintained that control uh, and then really blew the doors open in the third quarter with, you know, Maxi doing what Maxi did. Uh, so just go along back into game one, Take us through how you saw that game and what 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 stuck out to you. Yeah, I mean, the first thing is for me is obviously it's the the Tyrese Maxey show. It's I, I just continue to be impressed by just how great this kid is, how just impressive of a basketball player Tyrese Maxey is. Uh, I was looking at his stats in the postseason that he's leading the entire NBA in field goal percentage this postseason, third in scoring, uh, best two point percentage, best effective field goal percentage, and obviously like these things will come down as the series comes on and more games will are played by everybody but like it's just insane the level that he came out at and, and it's just it, I just can't get over it like every expectation that we've set for Tyrese Maxey has been blown away so easily and this is a guy we've talked about for a long time a guy that like I fell in love with before the draft saying I would love that the Sixers could go up and get this guy and for him to fall to 21 and then like hammering the desk about he's going to be very good to just get to this level that quickly is insane and he's such an integral part of this Sixers team uh him and Harden I love it together like people yeah. will give Harden some slack for not enough scoring whatever I think they're 
a pretty much an ideal complement of each other in terms of Maxi's a more natural scorer at this stage of the career. Harden's a more natural playmaker, better at running the offense, and they work great together. They seem to genuinely like each other, and it's just like I, to me, this is the Tyrese Maxi maturation in this postseason. Yeah, man. I don't know if I felt better about this team, um, maybe ever. Yeah. And I know that's me getting out ahead of myself right now. Um, and I'm not saying that I'm like, oh, they're going to win the finals. I know that there's a long road ahead uh, and there's a lot to cover here. But the way that Maxie's been playing, I want to, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of love to give out right now today. Um, we're going to talk about Tobias Harris, who's been amazing. We've been, yeah. We can talk about Doc Rivers uh, later on because, you know, we <laughs> we have to do our due diligence here. We have to give some credit out to Doc as well. Um, but Maxie, man, uh, Without Maxi, I don't know what this team looks like. It's hard to even fathom what this team might look like scoring wise. Um, he's everything to this offense. Uh, even last night, uh, one of my roommates was like, "Maxi's going to hit the dagger here." Like you know, the Raptors were going on that little run. Uh, yeah. There was a loose ball. He picked it up, found out that he was wide open around the three point line, and just drilled it. Um, but the twenty to go back to the twenty one point third quarter uh, in game one, everything's falling. He's so ridiculously good around the rim. Uh, there's no there's no weakness anymore like offensively it's hard to pick out a weakness uh, which is insane to say about a guard that's 21 years old it's in his second year uh, there's just nothing to point out like you can't force him to do anything he's five of eight from three scoring 38 points like he's insane you know there's a stat today I saw on ESPN it was on Twitter he's getting compared to LeBron there's some I, I forget exactly what this stat was anytime you're in a category uh, with LeBron James was the youngest player to lead their lead their lead their team in scoring through two games or average over 30 points per game through two games in the playoffs. Like he's in line with LeBron in that, in that point. And that's insane. Uh, especially because you, you consider his career trajectory and, you know, a lot of us expected him to be good. Um, you know, you and I, we obviously talked about this. We saw this early that he was going to be a good player, but I don't even think we could say we expected him to be probably the second scoring option on a, uh, title contending team in his second season uh let alone scoring 38 points and you know last night again he had another great night he almost had a triple double last night yeah. uh so yeah man like you said it's just the barriers that were set were broken down and then the next one he just keeps passing it and it's been incredible to watch uh so far this this postseason yeah and and key moments for him too like that that like logo shot was amazing yeah. that uh, he did hit the dagger during the run in that game was insane. And that was like not that was a messy play that he just came up and just popped the three confidently as ever. Yeah. And that really did change the entire momentum because the Raptors were fighting back in. They were on a 20 to two run. They were not that it was ever a game. Not that the game was in doubt, but they for sure were putting up a fight and at least making a statement to come back and make it a single uh, single digit game. But then that put that to rest. The starters came back in, regained order, uh, cruised to the victory. And uh, I, I just can't like I don't have enough words to say about how happy I am and how impressed that he's doing all this. He really is the lifeblood of this team right now. And I don't think I've ever seen a guy become so beloved by Sixers fans so quickly. Like there's the play last night after he, he took a hard fall and was down on the ground for a while. Yeah. And just the crowd chanting Maxi. He was getting MVP chance in, in game one and, and following the hard fall and following being down for a little to just right after a, a fast break uh laying finish right away it's just he's just got it all he's a joy to watch and he's a joy as a person so i'm happy he's ours so i'm so happy he's a, a philadelphia 76er yeah man and it's gotten it's just gotten so much better uh this week and 
like again to to think about it um this wasn't this probably wasn't in the plans to start like you, you remember he's fighting for a spot last year uh, and he comes in this year has a much bigger role uh, and doesn't even just fulfill that role he expands on it and does way more than ass and like to just kind of go through a, a couple of like the specifics from last night catching and shooting he's incredible to do one thing i i have seen and you know harden last night was he's so surgical with his passes he's such a good facilitator and there's there was two or three times uh between harris and maxi there's two specifically that harden like passed the ball to his space and before harris and maxi like there was two different plays i'm talking about they had to adjust because the pass got them so open that they didn't even realize where to go like they followed the ball to an open space rather than like catching it and going to the space there was two times last night where Maxi just the ball bounced and he chased after it and got it and it you know hardened through him open which is just insane but you know around the rim Maxi's incredible there's a couple like you know handful of times last night where he makes a layup and I, how did he even do that how did he even yeah. get that off because he's jumping across the lane waiting till he's on his way down and throwing it over Chris Boucher who's you know seven foot plus wingspan he's just incredible around the rim and then to be able to expand it you know, even on fast breaks, the floaters, like I said, there's just no weaknesses and he's just gotten so much better right in front of our eyes uh, over this season. So incredible two outings from him. Um, where do you want to go next here? You want to talk about players? You want to talk about Doc? Who do you want to go to next? Uh, I want, First, I want to touch on just this Raptors team as a whole real quick. Like, <laughs> okay. Dude, these guys, Not I, I don't mean so them as players, bad. but just as personalities and the attitude these guys suck man like the so the complaining and the i mean they threw the house at joel Embiid yesterday they like the siakam foul of him driving the lane was just like uh, granted like for sure a common foul nothing extra there but yeah. like, a hard playoff foul and it's just like like their the, their tactic in game two like after nick nurse all week was pounding the the table about like uh it needs to be called correctly. Like there's open hand slaps, there's elbows, like it needs to be cleaned up the refereeing on a beat. And then to just like absolutely just maul this guy in the paint coming out of game two. Like he had a he went to the free throw line 12 times in the first quarter. And just like, like, I don't know if that was your plan backfiring, if you meant to do this and physicality just wakes and beat up. Like I, yeah. that was the most trash I've seen him talk uh, in quite some in time, time yesterday. Like he was, fist bumping screaming to the crowd uh and one yelling in people's yeah. faces and i picked up a technical 88 seconds in the game with <laughs> the little scrap there uh but i i don't know i i really think this raptors team is just out of option the scotty barnes injury is a, a major loss for them i obviously hate to see that uh scotty barnes phenomenal young player a guy i'm a, a major fan of a completely basketball move by mb absolutely no harm there and it's crazy yeah. anybody's looking at that remotely different but uh, very disappointing. That's a game-changing injury for their series. I don't see what this team can really do more to to give them a better chance to win. Like when you look at the NBA, when we talked about this going in, like there was so much about the Raptors being better coached and they their weaknesses match up with, or their their strengths match up with the Sixers' weaknesses. But talent just tends to win out, and we're seeing that in the series. Like the Sixers are for sure the more talented team, top to bottom. But like the the best player on the Raptors, which is probably Pascal Siakam is uh, a pretty decent notch behind, I would say, Embiid, Harden, and Maxi. And I know I'll get Raptors fans in the comments uh -huh. being mad about that one, but I do think that's what it is. I think this Raptors team was very much overrated from the hot run that they went on to end the season. And they're uh, still a decent team. They've got a lot to look forward to. Their system's great, but they're just not 
not in the realm of the credit that we were giving them that a lot of people were giving them leading into this series. No, nah, man. And, you know, I don't, I, it's been so bad. It's been like, so, like shockingly bad um, how their fans have reacted to all this. Like the foul stuff, the, the, the complaining about fouls, like, I, I know, I think you and I are pretty like understanding on this. Um, mm-hmm. We get the frustration of playing against Joel Embiid and James Harden. But go, like, t- do yourself a favor and go watch these games for the love of God. Like, there's a reason that the Raptors only shot what eight free throws, and and you know the Sixers shot twenty eight. Like, there's a reason for it. The refs aren't favoring them. And also, let's be frank, you're getting your ass beat. Yeah. Uh, so to water it down and say, oh well, if the Sixers didn't shoot this many free throws, you know we would have beat them eighty seven, eighty six. Well, I-, I hate to break it to you, that's not how basketball works. You go to the free throw line when you get fouled. And when you make more free throws than the other team, a lot of times uh, that translates to winning basketball games. So, like, I don't know if these people are just dumb or ignorant, but it's really like so annoying. Like, it's it, before the series even started, yeah. these people were complaining. It's like you guys are losers. You you didn't even give yourselves a chance to start playing in this series. But it started with the head coach, and like, I know we were kind of like, oh, well, maybe it'll take a few games. It started immediately, and yeah. he has not stopped. He has not stopped. Embiid, it's so bad. Yeah, Embiid going over, going over and telling him to stop bitching about fouls. Like, I, I, <laughs> respectfully. I, respectfully, yeah. It's especially <laughs> funny to me the way he's just like hands on his knees, bent over and like looking Nick Nurse in the eye in the conversation yeah. was just so funny. But like, I don't have a problem with that. I'm Embiid's a guy that is always ready to speak his mind. I thought mm-hmm. it was cool that like post game, he just kind of laid it out there too. And I mean, he's right. Like he's, bigger and stronger than everyone on the court but that doesn't change how the rules are applied to him like just because he's bigger and stronger doesn't mean you're allowed to whack this guy and uh, like Embiid way I, I will defend Embiid way more than I ever will on Harden on the foul baiting things because he real deal gets hit more than uh, most players in the NBA just b- because of his sheer size and the, the advantage that he has there people overcompensate by being more physical back and they foul him and that's what happens every single game and Harden yeah. to point out him real quick he deserves a ton of credit for cutting out a lot of the foul baiting stuff yeah. he's attacking the rim in a much more aggressive fashion than we've seen in his entire time in Philly like him just attacking and going for the layup has been so refreshing for me to see and he's converting on them he's been effective I've I there's been too much criticisms of Harden, I think, for these first two games specifically. I have absolutely zero problem with how he's playing. Uh, he's been the key to unlocking this entire offense, and I've said from the get-go that his biggest role is as a playmaker, and that's putting on full display. I mean, he's he's leading the playoffs in assists with 20, which is the next highest is 15, so five more assists than anyone else in this postseason is pretty impressive, and it's it absolutely integral to what the Sixers are doing. Yeah, I, I this is the way I want Harden to play. You know, yeah. 22 and 14 in game one, uh, a little bit more of a uh, louder game in game one. One turnover to 14 assists. Like, all right, like, let's be real here. What do you, what did we ask from him? We don't need him to score 25 plus a night, especially when you have Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris doing that. Uh, and then, you know, you look around, he has, you know, he only had 14, six and six last night, but 14, six and six is a damn good game. And what he does as a facilitator, like Tobias Harris, Maybe you know the biggest beneficiary, maybe also um, Maxi as well. But like you just see the way that he controls the game um, and what he does, and then when he does have the chance, uh, he's done a good job of taking advantage of 
creating his own opportunities. And when he gets the mismatch or when he gets a, a matchup that he likes, taking advantage of that, getting to the rim, like you said, he's done a much better job at that as well. Um, and he's savvy. He's he's an older guy. He's a wise player. Uh, when he feels OG Ananobi's hand on him, he's going to get three free throws. And that's, again, that's part of the game. And for a team that that had Kyle Lowry for the last decade, um, they should know about this shit because Kyle Lowry is one of the worst. He's a he's a top five uh, guy in that category, along with like Chris Paul. Uh, he's up in the, in that tier of players um, with complaining and manipulating the rules. So they should be used to this because uh, they watched it for a long time. But yeah, Harden has been like if there's people complaining about what James Harden is doing right now, I genuinely think that they just don't understand uh, the impact of of what he's bringing to the game on a nightly basis. He's the one that's creating opportunities for these guys. He's the one that's getting Embiid the ball in spots where he can actually attack. Um, and the Sixers have done a much better job, I think, all together, whether that's, you know, Harden, obviously, but all the way down the line, getting the ball to him, like, faster. And right when they see that he has an advantage at any moment, when there's not two or three guys guarding him, they get the ball to him in the paint. And specifically last night, there's four times where, you know, the ball got kicked out and kicked right back into the paint. Uh, to Joel. So I, I think they've done a great job. I think James Harden's philosophy and, you know, the way that he plays is kind of rubbing off on anyone. And there's, you know, you can even now just through two games, look through and see some incredible passes. The one to Tobias last night, you know, he's got in the middle of the lane and spun and whipped it to him in the corner. Yeah, crazy uh, Like that, that's like, I literally was talking like, there's three or four guys in the league that make that pass. Like it's, it's him, Chris Paul, LeBron, and package like th- those are the three or four guys that are making that pass and you know if you have i i cannot complain about harden's productivity at all mm-hmm. and that pass to tobias hit him right in the shooting pocket it was a catch and shoot it was not a play where there was like a lot of wiggle room like tobias had to catch that perfect went up and he hit the shot and uh Tobias specifically, I deserves a ton of credit. Again, we've talked a lot about how just how much he's changed his own role and focus on catch and shoot, focus on being the the proper complementary piece in this offense, and he's done an incredible job. And I would say in these first two games specifically, this is the most like effective towards winning basketball that I've seen Tobias play as his time as Sixers. This has been his most impactful stretch of games in probably his entire time here. Like one of the the frustrations with Tobias for a while was like how you would he would be kind of it would seemingly be quiet throughout the whole game. You turn around and he's got like twenty points, and I yeah. I feel the exact opposite in this game. Like it feels like he's doing more than what the numbers uh, look like, and I mean he's just playing within himself. He's playing within his role, and he's capitalizing. the The catch and shoots look good. Uh, he's three of three from three in game two. Uh, like I, I just am incredibly happy with what he done defending Pascal Siakam. Also, yeah. that was a matchup that we talked about going in that we were very nervous about for i thought siakam would have the edge athletically with him and i I think he probably still does but tobias is strapping him up defensively playing terrific defense he's jumping passing lanes which i haven't seen him done like ever Uh, ever Uh, yeah ever (laughs) he's just making guys work he's making siakam settle for these mid-range contested twos and the raptors will not win this series when that's the case so a massive credit to tobias yeah, absolutely, man. I, I've been very impressed with his game. I mean, you look at game one, 26 points on nine of 14 shooting. Um, incredible. Like, just as good as it gets. Uh, and then last night, again, you know, 20 points, 10 rebounds on seven of 11 shooting. Like, that is peak Tobias Harris. We're seeing the best version of Tobias Harris that we've seen um, in a Sixers uniform. And he's he's had good stretches. He's had really good years. Um, but Tobias Harris that we've been kind of, you know, 
yearning for this whole time. Uh, decisive, strong, confident, um, and just hitting his shots even when he is, you know, getting into the post. He looks confident and he looks like he's knocking down those shots. Um, defensively, like you said, it's you know the most upgraded version of Tobias uh, defensively that we've ever seen in a series like this, where you know, especially going forward and. To talk about Matisse Thybul, really no non-factor at this point. So not worried about going to Toronto without him. Been a complete non-factor at this point. Um, so not worried. But Tobias taking the role as like one of the more prominent preventers and taking on arguably their best player, and you know not necessarily shutting him down, but slowing him down and containing him and making him like you said, forcing him into these tough shots. And even the announcers, I was watching the TNT broadcast. I don't know about you last night, but mm. like they were talking about they're not going to win that series uh, with taking contested threes and, and long twos from Pascal Siakam. And that's, that's been the formula uh, for the Sixers this entire time is, you know, make them beat you in the ways that they're not good at beating you. So they, they've done a great job and maybe we should go into talking about Doc Rivers uh, yeah. for a little bit right now. And man, you know, I'm outspoken on how much I've disliked Doc Rivers over these, you know, this last year or so all the credit in the world to him, man, they came out and they looked, Everything we needed from them, um, everything that you and I talked about in that preview, the series preview, was need to bring energy, be focused, and need to have it like execute the, the game plan. And they've done exactly that. They looked very, very prepared over these first two games. So, you know, if you want to go into specifics and talk about, you know, what they've been executing on in Doc's game plan. Yeah, there's a ton that I've liked out of Doc. I mean, first off, the the biggest thing is he's he made the right decision with the backup center. He's yep. giving B-Ball Paul the minutes. He's uh, swallowing his pride and yeah. allowing DeAndre Jordan to sit on his bench, which I know it's like one of those head, head scratching. This is the obvious choice, but that takes a lot from him to do that, to, to swallow his pride and say, I need to do this to win a series. And for B-Ball Paul, the numbers don't look great. He's not doing anything major on the stat sheet, but he's playing winning basketball too. And the, the yeah. B plus in the minutes without Embiid on the court is so foreign to this franchise. Like the entire time Joel Embiid's been here, it's been the story of like, watch the lead dissipate as he takes his like three minutes of rest. I mean, this is how we lost to the Raptors last uh, in 2019 when it they were plus a bajillion with Embiid on the court and like minus a thousand in the three minutes he was off it. Yeah. And to see B-Ball Paul just like doing his thing, he hasn't, he's not doing too much, which is sometimes the critique of him and he's helping this team win. So shout out to Doc for making that decision. On top of that, I thought he's had a couple solid timeouts in terms of when the momentum was uh, switching. I thought the rotations have been really crisp in, in terms of how he's staggering guys with the Embiid and Harden minutes, the way he's allowing Maxi and Harden together. I, I, I love seeing that. Uh, so there's just a ton of good. And he just has the team clicking everywhere. Matchup-wise, they're doing what they want. They're running their sets offensively. And they're just locked in and clicking. And they showed up in a way that I, I am surprised and incredibly impressed. So... As much as there is the Doc Rivers hate, he deserves nothing but praise through the first two games of this series. Yeah, I think it's going to be super rare uh, for this maybe next couple minutes between you and I of talking about how uh, good Doc Rivers has been. Uh, it's very rare coming from us. But seriously, like no complaints at all from him. When you talk about game plan, you talk about matchups, uh, like you said, rotations, like they're keeping them crisp, they're keeping them short, and they're keeping them staggered. And you know, you're not seeing any of these big lulls in time where it's like, holy shit, there's nobody playing offense right now. Like there was a brief moment last night where they struggled to put the ball in the hoop. And then it was like, okay, Maxie's going to figure it out. Someone's going to figure it out. And that's okay. Like those are okay. Especially when you have a 26 point lead. Um, you know, we've seen that 
fall through like too many times uh, to not you know, be fearful. Like I didn't get confident in the win until Maxi hit that three and they started, you know, taking over again. But like you said, man, uh, you know, no DeAndre Jordan is such a win uh, for the Sixers in this series, especially, you know, just with the way that the Raptors play. Um, and they know what they're good at. The Sixers know what they're good at and they've shored up, you know, Obviously, Toronto is going to crash the offensive boards. They've done a fantastic job of not only defensive rebounding, but doing a lot of offensive rebounding of their own. Uh, and I know a lot of that comes from Joel and being aggressive. And obviously, when he's not getting the touches um, because they're double and triple teaming him before he gets the ball, he does take advantage of that a lot of, you know, getting himself in position to, to rebound offensively, which is great. And, you know, another testament to how great he is. Um but they've they've flipped the script completely. They're running out. They're changing pace. They're yeah. you know speeding up the game when they want to. Um, and then on top of that, they're taking away what the Raptors are good at in offensive rebounding and flipping that also and taking advantage of their own offensive rebounds um, and doing things in that nature. So really, they've done everything possible uh, to win these games and to give themselves like not only because these haven't even just been wins. Like you look at like the Milwaukee and Chicago game the other night. Uh, Milwaukee won that game. But they, I I feel like everyone's feeling like Milwaukee should be dominating Chicago. Mm-hmm. The, Philadelphia is dominating Toronto. Like yeah. they are making them their sons right now, and it's bad. Like it's bad in a way that we haven't seen the Sixers team do like at all. Like really, these two wins are probably as big uh, and as like securing as any win that they've had all season. Like really, there's only a few that you can look back on. Like I think the Clippers game a few months ago they beat them up and, you know, beat them by 25 the whole night. Like they did that two games in a row against the same team, against a coach that really a lot of people are saying is a much better coach than Doc Rivers. Realistically, he is. But right now it's not showing that at all. Doc Rivers is out coaching Nick Nurse and by a landslide. Yeah, I've been disappointed across the board with Nick Nurse in this series. He's a guy I obviously think pretty highly of as a coach. I think they've done a poor job scouting the Sixers in terms of what they're trying to do matchup wise. Like, just calling isolations for Pascal Siakam is not the way you're winning this series, no. kind of like what we talked about. There's things that they can do defensively or offensively to pick up pick points of uh, weakness in the Sixers defense. Things like having Tobias chase off screens, which he doesn't do well. Things like they, they haven't run those kind of sets. And just like the tone that he set for this entire team and complaining about the fouls and yeah. uh, making that. And I, I was also watching the TNT broadcast and Chuck's, Chuck put it nice where he's like, you're getting stomped by 30. Like if they miss three or four calls, you're still not winning this game. So yeah. it, that is not the the reason that you're not winning it. So to put so much focus on that, I think sets an extremely poor taste for the whole Toronto team. And they look like they're unraveling a little bit in a way that I just did not expect to be the case. Yeah, really. Like you said, like falling apart is a weird thing to have happen to a, a Toronto Raptors team, which like you feel like normally they're so put together because Nick Nurse is so like calculated. Um, and it seems like he's normally super prepared to the point where you can't get unraveled because he, he has counters to their counters. And like, he's so, you know, overly prepared that it that very happens to that team where they're falling between Embiid and, uh, OG and Anobi right away. Like you're, you're putting yourself in a hole, like almost immediately. And it's, I, I mean, it's exciting for us. It's, it's nice to see if, uh, you know, on our point of view, because, they're they're I don't even know why I mean I guess it's the free throws and the fouls and everything but it's it's literally every call like it's every call that goes against Toronto the entire five players on the court plus the guys on the sideline plus Dick Nurse and plus everyone on Twitter from Toronto is complaining about it 
And it just makes no sense to me. Like, obviously, the Sixers are getting more calls, but there's a reason for it. Like, you know, it's not even really something worth talking about, I don't think, anymore, because it's just it's a mute point. They, yeah, the Sixers are dominating them physically. And you pointed it out like time after time after time before this season or before this series. Toronto doesn't have a big. Toronto yeah. doesn't have guys. You go down that line, they they have a unique roster. They have things that, you know, make life difficult for the Sixers sometimes. But when they're locked in the way that they have been, and, you know, to give credit to Doc again, you go back and the Sixers lost three out of four games to this team during the regular season. And mostly it was energy. Like, it was that energy. And the thing that we've complained a lot about over the last two years is that, like, they seemed, like, almost tired going into these series. Like, oh, you know, they're going to roll over. Uh, the other team's just going to lose to us because we're better than them. And they really, they haven't just done that. They've come out and they've really put their foot on their throat and made, you know, this series without question, uh, it's it's favored in the Sixers right now. Yeah, they still have work to do. They still have to win two yeah. more games. I don't want to count it as anything. Toronto's a tough place to play in. Uh, yeah. The no Matisse, which I agree isn't a big deal. I kind of have said that from the rip that I don't think this is a Matisse series. I think Danny Green's fit much better in the, yeah. the lineup. Uh, he the shot dunk, over. man. Wait, 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 wait. You yeah. got to talk about the dunk. <laughs> yeah. The dunk. Did you jump out of your seat? Because I flew out of my seat. I was like, whoa. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, I, I remember the other dunk versus the Magic this year where on the putback, yeah. which, but that, that one astounded me even more the fact that it was on the putback. But once again, like if Danny Green's doing that, like you might as well hang up the, the series yeah. right now. So uh, good to see Danny Green get back to like being him. Uh, I mean, he's been so out of the lineup and hurt for most of this year that in the one respect you can look at it as like, he's really getting old. He's really falling off from that. But on the other, like he looks fresh right now. Like he played 38 minutes last night. Like that's crazy wow. that Danny green played 38 minutes and it's yeah. uh. but if he has just a playoff run in him, that's a, this is a successful Danny green green year. Like that's all the six are hoping for him. He, he obviously like has lost a step. You can see he got, he took a brutal charge from OG yesterday, but he's <laughs> yeah. still like moving his feet, doing his thing. And I'm, I've been very happy with what I've seen from Danny green. He's spacing the floor in the way the Sixers need. Uh, he got back to three of nine from three at the volume of three pointers. He's willing to throw up is just awesome to me. Like that's something the Sixers have missed for so long. And even like looking back to like Seth Curry, that was a criticism I've always had of him is he's just afraid to just let it fly sometimes. You never get that with Danny Green. And sometimes it's ugly. In game one, it was yeah. ugly. He was 0 for 5. He was really still jacking and not getting anything. But they need that. Like, those open looks, you have to be willing to shoot it. And he's providing that for that offense that helps create the space. The way he's just willing to do that and provide this role in the offense is huge. And, I mean, he's a perfect, like, final piece to the starting lineup. Yeah, I've been, you know, especially last night, um, He's been the perfect piece, like to this that starting unit. Um, and defensively, he like he hasn't been bad. Uh, a lot of times, like you look at this roster, and you might think, you know, a lot of athletes on the roster on the Raptors team, uh, a lot of guys that do things that Danny Green does not do. But mm. physically, you know, he he doesn't have the steps anymore. He doesn't have the speed or the quickness most of the time to keep up with these guys. But he's done a great job with bodying guys up, keeping them in front, uh, and just you know, as a whole, the Sixers team has done a great job shots uh and kind of alluding to what we said earlier like that's what the Sixers needed to do this whole time is just keep them in front uh and they don't have a lot of shot makers like outside of Fred Van Vliet uh you don't go down the line and there's not a lot of guys that are creating off of the dribble for themselves and <clears throat> doing things on their own mm -hmm. so yeah Danny Green shooting the basketball 
the the dunk is is incredible. I was like, I was amazed that he. I mean, I was, I was surprised that Max even threw the ball to him. Uh, <laughs> I was yeah. surprised that he was even the option there. Um, but yeah, I, I've just been offensive rebounding as well. Uh, yeah. Something that's surprisingly he's surprisingly good at. Um, maybe it's he's just very smart. Uh, you know, like a crafty little uh, veteran. Um, but yeah, man, I I didn't expect DG to be a very integral part to this uh, series necessarily. But he's done a great job so far. And obviously, like we said, without Matisse going forward, um, he's going to need to play those minutes. Obviously, Matisse hasn't been playing a lot, um, which is okay. I don't mind that at all. Um, mm-hmm. But him and him and Shake Millen are going to have to eat up those minutes. And I've liked what I've seen from Shake as well. Pretty quiet, uh, not doing a lot, but within himself and and playing a role. And, and the yeah. role is pretty good for right now. Yeah. Do you think it's all uh, Shake and Danny Green? Do you think there's a chance Isaiah Joe or Furkan get any run? Um, yeah, I mean, I maybe, I don't know. I, that's interesting because I, like, I feel like you could probably just give, um, you could probably just give shake a few more minutes. Like, I don't even know how many minutes did Matisse play last night? Like not Ten. many, right? 10. Ten, yeah. And how many did shake play? 14. Really? Yeah. Like he wasn't in for that long. <laughs> yeah. He played decent in game one too. Let me pull those yeah. up too. Uh, but I, I've liked what I've seen with Shake. He's another guy that has come on in the second half of the series, the season, and kind of found his stride. And uh, looking back to Game One, Shake played 14 again in that one. Matisse played 19 in Game One. He hit the one three in Game One too. Uh, uh, this is not uh, we've said from the beginning, but like this is not a Matisse matchup. Like looking ahead, there he still is going to be a necessary part of this team. Like uh, obviously, we'll see how the Heat, how Hawks uh, shape up. I, I think the Heat will come out, but like. If this is a, a rematch with the Hawks, like Matisse is going to be needed on Trey Young for sure. And even uh, facing the Heat, like if you want to run him on Tyler Hero or do whatever, I've, chase guys off screen. That's what one of the things he's best at. And that's a good part of Miami's set. So there will be time where he's needed to be called on the postseason. So it is a stay ready. This isn't the series because even like Fred Van Fleet is probably the number one guy you probably want circled with him chasing around. But he just hasn't warranted that kind of respect uh, defensively, I, I think, so far in this series. And he was hot early on in uh, game two to keep him in. But I don't think that's – they just haven't showed a sustainable way to succeed offensively. So uh, I, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the minutes. I, I don't mind the idea of Shake like, just getting the extended run. He's done a better job defensively. He obviously has the long wingspan. I think he's like 6'7", six, 6'8", six, in that regard. And he is getting back to it. It's another ball handler out there. So I, I wouldn't mind Shake getting all the run. Me either. Uh, I love Shake. I mean, I mean, we kind of went through this whole progression with Shake of this little yeah. roller coaster ride that has been. But I really enjoy him as a player. I think when he's controlled, like when he's contained, um, and his role is like given to him, like it's very descriptive of what we're we're asking of Shake Milton on a nightly basis. I think he can be productive. Um, and I think if he, you know, if he's getting maybe it's you know almost 20 minutes uh you know in this in toronto during this stretch i think maybe that could be you know here's your chance shake you know not that they should be auditioning anymore like we're in the playoffs it's it's time to you know get ready and you you should be yeah. you know figuring out what you you have here um but if there's there's an opportunity like there is an opportunity uh presented to you in this unique case uh this unique situation where one player is available for two games and then he's unavailable for the next two Shake has a chance to step up and and kind of uh, solidify himself within this role and within this rotation, and I think he has a chance to. And I think shooting wise, uh, if he's continuing to knock down open looks, uh, and like you said, even a guy that's just willing to, like you know, Shake 
isn't going to turn down many shots. He likes to shoot it. So at times when he gets those chances and he gets extended minutes, I'm totally okay with him being the guy uh, that rolls into those, you know, 15 to 20 minutes spots. But if, you know, would you rather it be Isaiah Joe or would you rather be Furkan if there's going to be another guy kind of mixed in? Probably Furk. Uh, I think they're a similar kind of like, I, I think Doc's way more likely to go with Furk. I'll, I'll say yeah. that. Uh, Isaiah Joe, I mean, it's it's disappointing, like similar to the Paul Reed thing. Like, I don't really know what to expect if he gets the minutes. And yeah. it's frustrating because like we should at this point, like there should have been at least enough of a trial period to have some sort of frame of reference. But in my mind, like when we initially drafted him, he was a wing in my mind, a guy that fit like that. And the more I've seen him play, he looks more like a guard in terms of the has a little ball handling, can pass a little yeah. bit, through some of that. He's ready to let it sling from ever, which from wherever, which I really like. Uh, I would like to see more of Isaiah Joe moving forward. As far as this playoff specifically, like you're kind of searching for lightning in the bottle with Furkan. You sometimes will get it though. So yeah. I think it's kind of worth the gamble. If this is a, if the Sixers hit a point where it's like they can't hit anything, they need to just give it a shot. I don't mind just giving Furk a run and seeing like go throw up a couple and see what happens. Cause there are times where he can get hot like that. It's been such a disappointing Furkan year. So I'm not going to act like I expect that, but if they're, they do need like an offensive boost in Toronto, I think Furkan's probably the guy for that. Yeah, I, I think so too. And like when you think about what Matisse brings to the table, um, you know, it's, he did hit a three last night, uh, which was, which was fun. And that's always like, uh, it's just like throwing dirt in the eyes of the opponent when Matisse is hitting it. When you're up by like 15 and Matisse knocks down a three, it's like, wow. Okay. You know, this game's probably over, but with Furkan, I think it's, um, you know, if he's getting that chance, if he's getting eight minutes, um, I don't think it's a problem at all to see what he can give you. And he's a guy that kind of like in the times, you know, there's earlier or like later in the regular season, uh, he had a little bit of an opportunity to, you know, show up, uh, and he did for a minute, you know, a, a very brief minute. I think he's a guy that cap- would capitalize on an opportunity uh, to play in the playoffs. He could also fold. Maybe really you don't you really don't know what you're going to get from Burke, but like you said, it, I think it's worth a shot um, without Matisse because again, you're not asking very much of him, um, and the upside there is that he plays well and gives you a really nice boost, and you know, hits a, a three or, or two and you know, makes a nice pass and it kind of just boosts the morale when Furkan plays well. So give him eight, throw him a bone, let him play for eight minutes. And if he's playing well, okay, fine. Uh, if he's not just get back with shake, uh, and, and move it along. So I don't think there's, there's a lot of negative t- side to it, but the positive aspect of what Furkan could potentially bring. And again, I think this is kind of like semantics at this point. I think it's kind of a frivolous conversation because I don't know if, Maybe they won't even go with another guy. Like I think the likelihood is probably that Shake uh, plays more minutes, but I don't know. I don't know. I think Toronto's going to be an interesting place. Like the Sixers are going to get booed. Like it's going to be bad there, don't you yeah. think? Yeah. No, I think so. I think the Sixers probably drop one of the two games. Uh, I don't think as great as the Sixers have looked and as pretty poor as the Raptors have looked. I still don't think this is probably a, a clean sweep series. Uh, my initial prediction was Sixers and seven. I don't see it going that deep. I can't see this Raptors team beating the Sixers team three times. I think I'm probably bumping it up to Sixers and five, but uh, I, it is going to be yes, a brutal sir. travel up to Toronto. I really, I don't know. Like for whatever reason, I didn't hate the Raptors. Like even after that series, um, you know, the infamous series, but I do now. I really yeah. do now. And this 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 is what happens with me. Uh, whenever the Sixers play a team in the playoffs, it normally like 
there's so much rage in inside of me when I when I see these teams. Like I hated Brooklyn. Um, I've still I still hate Miami. Like you know, reasonably I hate the Celtics. But most of these hatreds are kind of stemming from those playoff series against them, and most of the time losing to them. But even Brooklyn, like I hated them because I hated that playoff series, even though the Sixers beat them. Um, and Toronto is no different right now. And it's going to be fun to see them go into a hostile environment. Uh, it's going to be fun to see how Embiid plays off of this because he's the super villain right now. Uh, yeah. especially going up there. It's going to be bad. Uh, him and Harden are not going to be received very well there. And I've seen some nasty things from, oh, from yeah. Raptors fans, like really nasty, like things I wouldn't even expect to see from Philly fans. And Philly fans have the reputation of being the worst. Um, so I'm interested to see how it goes. And I would love to see them. I mean, like, I, I don't, I also don't expect them to necessarily sweep. I said sixers and five. I'm kind of sticking with that. Um, I would love nothing more to see Embiid walk off Toronto's floor as a sweep uh, and getting kind of relish in that feeling uh, because I think he deserves it. And that would be, I think that's what he wants. Uh, the way that he's looked, I think that's what he wants. Yeah. Yeah. He continues to look locked in. He looked, he got a little beat up in uh, game two. He did. Yeah, he said did. his ankle was hurting uh, his elbow. He had the thing with Siakam, a couple hard falls. He's still hanging in there, but this is uh, a day where he absolutely should be in the training facility and getting whatever care he needs. Cause yeah. he definitely took a beating uh, last night. Uh, I agree. I think he, he wants this very badly and beats a guy that never forgets that he remembers. Yeah. I'm sure he remembers the feeling of walking off after losing to Toronto and, to sweep them and to continue beating them in the fashion that they, they have been would uh, I'm sure mean quite a lot to him. I think more so than the average NBA player, which I, I love about him also. So yeah. uh, I think that's the case. That's still the goal. They still got to win two more games in this series. So let's see when it happens. Yeah. They say that uh, uh, the road and if they can close out game three or four on the road, I think that's pretty much wraps for the series. Um, they're not going back to Toronto. I can guarantee that that's, that's my final take on that. Um, also, one more thing. All the Raptors fans that use uh, Eid crying picture or like GIF as some sort of slight to Sixers fans, like I think they perceive that much differently than we do. Like, I was miserable in that moment, obviously, and it still haunts me to this day. But like, seeing him be upset and, and crying at that moment, yeah. like, I was not upset. Like, I'm not like, oh, damn, they sent that picture again. Like, I'm cool with that. I I'm totally cool with the fact that he was upset i'm totally cool with the fact that you know he was cared about it enough to to be that visibly upset to not even make it off the court before he showed that emotion like i don't know why they they think that's like a slight at us at all like that's like all right cool i'm good with that you know what i mean yeah for sure i i love that Embiid's a guy that wears his heart in his sleeve that shows his emotions that uh is not afraid to kind of show that that obviously was probably one of the the lower points in the successful portion <laughs> of his career once he got past obviously all the rehab everything that he's been through that very few players have to go through uh and to work that hard to get there to be so close and i mean the raptors won the championship th that year like it's we're talking about a couple bounces away and I, obviously we don't want to get too caught up on this but yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, I, I don't I have no issue with Embiid showing his emotions pretty much ever. And in that case specifically, like I that like is one of the most relatable athlete moments ever. And yeah. I, I'm happy he's a guy that cares. I think a lot of us were feeling that way. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah. The way Embiid felt. So it was it again, I don't have a problem with it. I I think we're all gonna grow to hate Raptors fans. I think it's gonna take a while for this taste to get out of our mouths the way that they have behaved over the last, you know, week or so. Um but I don't have anything else if you're if you're good yeah. to wrap up. 
I'm good to wrap it up. I'm bumping my prediction up to Sixers and five. I agree. I don't think Love they it. go back to Toronto a second time. I'm impressed with how great the Sixers have looked, but I guess more surprised with just how poorly the Raptors have looked and how poorly they seem to be prepared for this series. So it's a testament to Doc Rivers. It's an insult to Nick Nurse. And, you know, I'm ready to see this this series rock out. Yeah, who would have thought that that's where we would be after two games? Uh, an interesting <laughs> flip of the switch there. But again, like you said, there's can't get too ahead of ourselves here. Uh, a lot of a lot of work to be done, um, and even after this series, a lot of work to be done. But you got to focus. Game three, Wednesday night, tomorrow night. It's at eight. It's a little bit later. Um, but the Sixers travel to Toronto for games three and four. Um, do you want to do Thursday? This we can talk about later. But we'll talk yeah. to you guys again later this week, uh, depending on. How you know, this all plays out. We could be talking to you guys after the series concludes. Who knows? Um, regardless, if you guys are interested in keeping up with our work, in the meantime, you can follow Sean at Sean underscore Bernard one. You can follow me at Jay's Brain 17. You can follow the pod at Pixwap Pod. Check out the YouTube. Click the link in the bios of the YouTube and wherever you get your podcast, whether that's Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and check out BetUS using our code PICSWAP at login to get your first bet risk-free up to $500. We'll talk to you guys later this week. Go Sixers.